Amen. Good morning, Harvest Point Church. Good morning, Harvest Point Church. Isn't it awesome to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit? Isn't that awesome? Uh, when God sweeps down and you feel the glory of God here, I can tell you, as we used to say back in the day, when the, when, the, when the fire's hot, when the iron's hot, it's time to strike somebody. This is, the, this is the moment where you can press into God and be moved and be impressed with the Lord. And I believe somebody today, if, if, if you'll attend to the words of the Lord, today's the day that God can begin that thing which He's promised in you. Uh, we used to say back in the day, this can be a breakthrough service for you. Breakthrough service. Look at your neighbor and say, today's breakthrough, baby. Uh, and, and if you want it, you can get it. Glory to God. Isn't that awesome that it's within, within your reach to receive the thing from God that he's trying to purpose in you? What a beautiful day it is. I mean, I could feel the spirit of God moving. I could feel, do you know that we've said this many years, uh, 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 I'm going to say probably the last two or three years, that if revival is going to start in Mansfield, it's going to start right here at Harvest Point Church. And, and you can already begin to discern the Spirit of God's been moving uh, in ways that we haven't encountered in quite some time. And how awesome it is that the Spirit's moving here. The Spirit's moving. And I would encourage you to move with them. All right. So today, listen, this is what's going on, church. So today, uh, we are in the final message of the series called Weak Things. And, and I've saved this message for last because today it's going to get personal. I hope every message is personal, but, but today we're going to get a little personal. In fact, in fact, I'm, I'm thinking that for some of you, I might be peeling back a scab in your life. So get ready, right? Just get ready. Just know that the message that you're going to hear today is going to help your life. Uh, and so this is, this message is prolific. I hope you remember it. Uh, the title of the, today's message is called Betrayed with a Kiss. And I want to take you to a particular passage scripture we could talk about. So let's do this. Last message in the series. Y'all know that uh, the next two weeks I'll be uh, in the country of Ethiopia. I'll be in Addis Ababa and other remote places there doing the work of the Lord, building churches. Uh, I, I, I promise you this. When we start sending video, you're going to see thousands of people receive the Lord. You're going to hear thousands of people receive Christ as their Savior. You're going to see it. You're going to see us giving and administering to lots of different types of people there, even to kids and uh, empowering people to know God and to walk with God. And so you're going to see a lot of awesome things. So that's for the next two weeks. You know, we're going to be out of town. So let's take advantage of the now, right? We're here right now. And you got all pretty and dolled up and you look so nice and everybody put on the best. Why not take advantage of the moment and just receive from God? So I'm going to have you to stand to your feet. It's customary here at Harvest Point Church that we stand for the reading of the word of the Lord. If you have your Bibles, I will be reading out of the King James Version. I, you know how pastor is. I like the King James. I'll be reading out of St. Luke chapter 22. I think I'm going to start uh, somewhere maybe 38, 39, all the way down to verse 62. I want to read to you a very, a very uh, a sensitive and, and, and very personal experience of the Lord in the Garden of Gethsemane. And so I'll begin reading here at verse 39. I'll take it all the way through verse 62. You'll see that it reads as a narrative, so uh, I don't think you'll get lost in any of the translation and the conversation here that we're going to get into the Word of the Lord. Again, this is St. Luke chapter 22, verse 39. I'll read through verse 62. This is Jesus going into the garden of Gethsemane and I think we're going to pull out of here some stuff that's going to bless our lives and it's going to get personal so get, look at your name and say it's going to get personal 
Touch your back. Say, don't mess with me. I, I got to hear this. <laughs> I got to hear everything I got to hear this morning because there's some things going on in my life that I got to get right. And, and, and if you'll hear it today uh, in the spirit of the Lord, you're going to find victory. It begins like this. St. Luke 22:39 says this. And he came out and went, and as was wont to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples also followed him. And when he was at the place, he said unto them, Pray that ye enter not into temptation. And he was withdrawn from them about a stone's cast, and kneeled down and prayed, saying, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me, Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And I want you to see this next verse. And there appeared an angel unto him from heaven, strengthening him. Somebody say, it's about to get tough. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was, as it were, great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And when he arose up from prayer and was come to his disciples, he found them sleeping for sorrow. And said unto them, Why sleep ye? Rise and pray, lest ye enter into temptation. You see that Jesus knew the enemy was working. You got your neighbor say the enemy's working against you. You know that, right? Church family, you know that, right? That the devil's plotting your demise. You know that, right? You, you know he's trying to take your life, right? Just so you don't think with this is fun and games, right? That you understand the severity of, of the relationship that we share with God. Jesus most certainly understood it. He says, listen, you need to be praying. You need to rise up, awaken yourselves. And the Bible says in verse 47, And while he yet spake, behold, a multitude, and he that was called Judas, one of the twelve, went before him, watch this, and drew near unto Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus saith unto him, Judas, betrayest thou the Son of Man with a kiss? When they which were about him saw that would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite him with the sword? And one of them smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his right ear. And Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. And he touched his ear and healed him. And then Jesus saith unto the chief priests and captains of the temple and the elders which were come to him, Be ye come out as against a thief with swords and staves? When I was daily with you in the temple, ye stretched forth no hands against me. But this is your hour in the power of darkness. Then took they him and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. Now, let's check out Peter. You remember him, right? And when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, 
they were set down together, Peter sat among them. But a certain maid beheld that he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also, this man was also with him. He denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. And after a little while, another saw him and said, Thou, thou art also of them. And Peter said, Man, I am not. And about the space of, a, of one hour after another, confidently affirmed, saying, Of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter said, Man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake, the cock crew. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crew, or would crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. Verse 62. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Y'all ready? It's going to get personal. Y'all ready? Y'all ready? Come on. How, how, how many don't mind getting personal when you come to church? Uh, you, everybody's hands should be up. I'm here to do personal business with God. Let's do it. Let's, do, let's get personal. Come on. Here we go. Come on. Pray with me. Father, we thank you for this lovely day, this day that you've made. Father, I will be glad and rejoice in it. Holy Spirit, I know you have a distinct purpose in every single person that's availed themselves to your voice. Uh, to, to every man and woman, boy and child, sitting in a seat, there is purpose in God today. For God's purpose is to draw close. Holy Spirit, let God's face shine upon us. Let, let His heart be revealed to us. Let the knowledge of the Lord so, so uh, occupy this place that the knowledge and the fullness of the reality of Him will hit us squarely upon our hearts and upon our minds. Have your way, Holy Spirit. Do what only you can do. We yield ourselves to you. Have your way today, Father. Speak to us. Talk to us. I pray that you help us as we move forward. Holy Spirit, bring the kind of anointing this morning that makes preaching easy and listening fruitful. We pray that blessing upon the house of the Lord. We pray it upon each and every one of us. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen and amen. I want you to go find somebody. Give them a hug and I want you to whisper this to them. It's going to get personal. Go find them and just tell them it's going to get personal. Go, go say hello to somebody. Go greet somebody. Welcome to Harvest Point Church. We've got a lot of people in the house of the Lord, friends and guests. You are welcome here. If this is your first, second, or third time at Harvest Point Church. We say hello to you. Welcome to the house of the Lord. Blessings to every one of you. God bless you. We love you in the name of the Lord. Amen. Thank you for finding Harvest Point Church. Thank you for being part of us. Blessings to you. Love you, man. Love you, too. It's going to be good, my brother. It's so good to see the family of faith moving around, loving on each other. The moment we stop loving each other as family, we stop being a church. Amen.
We could have programs and every availability of every kind of benevolence, but if we stop loving each other as brothers and sisters, we're no longer a church. It's so good to be in the house of the Lord, so good to be in the house of the Lord. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you're here. Touch them back, say, you need a lot of help. You need a lot of help. Tap yourself, say, it's going to get personal. It'll get personal. Harvest Point Church has always made it a, a mantra, a slogan, that we want to move people past religion and into intimacy with God. Primarily because we believe that the quality of Christian faith resides in relationship. Let me say that one more time for somebody. We believe that the quality of Christian life is expressed by relationship with God. Think about what I just said. There's a lot of things we can do here. Disciplines by which we might master, but if you've never mastered the relationship that you share with God, you haven't come full circle in your, in your faith, in your profession of faith, in your Christianity. So important that you understand that we're talking about relationship. Relationship with God. Let, let, me, let me say it to you like this. Some of y'all know this passage. Uh, the, the, the Bible says this. Uh, Jesus said in the 10th chapter of the book of St. John, speaking of uh, the, the, the beautifulness of his shepherding. How many know you got a shepherd? How many know you got a good shepherd? How many of us know nobody's shepherding better than Jesus can shepherd? And, and, and Jesus says that the enemy cometh not but forth to steal and to kill and to destroy. But Jesus said that I've come that they might have life. And that they might have life more abundantly. Yeah. Abundant life. What does it mean in Christian faith to have abundant life? What does that mean? What, contextually, what is Jesus saying? He's saying you're going to have abundant life because you're going to know God. Yeah. Not, not only are you going to know him, but you're going to call him Abba Father. For you've been given a spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit bearing with with your spirit that you are a child of God. And if a child of God, then an heir of God and a joiner with Christ. If so, be that we suffer with him. Because anytime you have a relationship, you're going to suffer. Well, you look at your neighbor right now and say, every relationship is going to cause you to suffer somehow, some way. Let me say that one more time. Look him back and say, I'm telling you, brother, anytime you have a relationship, you're going to suffer somehow, some way. Uh, th th that's why some of you like being by yourself, because you know that if you get a relationship, relationship going to cost you money, going to cost you time. It's going to cost you some drama, because how many know people are drama? We're glad that we can have friends on Facebook because we don't got to really get too interactive with people, right? You've got a thousand friends on Facebook, but maybe two real friends in real life. Why? Because relationships are personal. 
Could, could, could I suggest to you, as we get a little deeper into this message, that God is going to build you through relationships. He's going to shape you. He's going to form you. He's going to help you. He's going to restore you. He's going to cause you to be the best version in the eyes of God for his purpose, for his will, through your relationships. Brothers and sisters, you need them. You need every relationship that God has in your life, every single one. Husbands, look at your wife and say, baby, I need you. If I'm going to be everything God wants me to be, I need you. Wife, look at your husband and say, baby, I need you. Even though you tripping and acting up and carrying on, I need all of that because, because God's going to work through you to shape me. It's going to get personal. You just hold on. It's going to get personal. Now, can I suggest to you that God uses every single relationship in your life? Uh, there are some relationships that have been damaged to you because, because you got a little close to the wrong people. So, so, so let, let, let me, let me, let, let, just Sean, I'm going to get that little, that little thought right there. I'm going to put it to the side because I think people need to talk about this just for a moment. Do, do, do you know that Jesus says, be ye not unequally yoked with unbelievers? But what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? Or what communion have light with darkness? Brothers and sisters, there are some relationships in your life that you should have cut off years ago. And you say, why? Because you've got a bad balance there. You have yoked yourself to people who do not belong to God. Now listen, brothers and sisters, I'm not telling you not to love the world. And there's an expression that every believer understands that when we go out, I'm trying to be friendly, but I'm not making friendships with the system of the world. Right? I, I, I want to show myself friendly. I want to do the will of God, but I'm careful that there's a limit, a place where I've got to say I can't go that far. For all you out there that like to quote, when in Rome, do as the Romans do, you better be careful. Because we're called, we're called to be separate. But that doesn't mean that there are going to be relationships in your life that you can control. You cannot control the place by which you were born. You can't control your mommy and your daddy. Listen, it's going to get personal because I'm going to, I'm going to talk about those relationships in your life. That today you count as a detriment, but God saw them as a very vehicle that he used to promote his life in you. You know, there are some things in your life that you couldn't control. You can't control who your brother and your sister are. You, you know, that's why Solomon, in his wisdom, said, better is the day of one's death than the day of one's birth. Because at least you know when you die, you know where you're going. But when you're born in this world, you, you, you got that funky brother, that funky sister. Don't look around now. Just, just, just look at me. People like to tell me all the time, well, I come out of dysfunctional parents, and so what? If you understood the plan of God, you know that God will take that dysfunction and move it into functionality for his purpose and for his plan. Now, that gets personal with somebody, and I'm not trying to minimize the pain you went through. You just have to qualify that pain in Christ because every relationship you're going to suffer. Type yourself, every relationship I'm going to suffer. Every relationship is going to cause you to suffer somehow, some way. And the quality of Christian life depends upon our relationships. 
And some of the people that did you the worst were the ones that promoted the best in God in you. And you got to hear that. That's what relationships do. Now, now you could keep coming to God and complaining about what happened in your past and all the things, relationships that caused all the hiccups in your life. Or you could surrender to God and say, God, you use them to promote your will in me. I'm not trying to minimize your hurt or the pain that you suffered or the things you went through. And there's a lot of people in here that went through horrible things through parentage or through friends or relationships, aunts, uncles, brothers, sisters. But I'm here to tell you, God uses those relationships if you'll let him. Now, now you can stay angry. You can be indifferent. You can carry on the rest of your life thinking that those things were the plan of the enemy. And I can show you how God will take the work of the enemy and promote his life and his will in your life. Somebody say hallelujah. So, so we can thank God for the good times and the bad times. Some of the worst things that happened to you were the very things that God used to shape your mind towards him. And the thing you call bad, God calls good. Uh, you want me to prove it? I, I, I'm here to tell you that God permits those weird people in your life. How many of you got weird people in your life? Raise your hand if you got weird people. I got weird people in my life. You ever heard that adage, it takes one to know one? You know the weird because you're weird. Come on, somebody. Somebody's raising their hand, they're thinking about you. Told you it's going to get personal. Uh, do, do, you, do you know that, that, that it is God's providence? We call it his sovereignty. Uh, that, that God permits things to happen to you. He permits it. Uh, God didn't create the evil. He just allows it sometimes. And listen, some of y'all that are, you know, raising your eyebrows at me, when you get to heaven, you're going to find out just how much he kept you from. There are some things you don't even know about that God did for you, that God saved you from, that God kept you from. There's some things you're going to raise your hand and say, God, thank you. He's kept you from a lot of stuff, too, but he's let some stuff seep through because he's trying to grow you. You're not going to grow properly in God if everything you hear from him is yes. Touch your neighbor. He's talking about you with that. You spoiled baby. God doesn't say yes to everything you pray about. And I'm man enough and, and godly enough to tell you that's the truth. Sometimes God says no. How many of you ever heard God say, not now? Wait. Just wait. I'm doing it. Wait. But I'm here to tell you that God, uh, through his providence, God's sovereignty, uh, he allows things, right? Uh, so so could, could I say to you that the Holy Spirit allows things? Could I even say this? Fix people for your life. He picks them. And sometimes a person he picks is your very enemy. is the one that Satan's running the most. So, can, can I teach you? Can y'all want to go a little deeper with me? Because it's going to get personal. The catch name says it's going to get personal, man. So just let it be. Open your heart. Let God speak to you. Let, let, let me teach you something. Uh, the, 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 there are chapters in the Bible that are 
that, that are topical. So, so if I say the love chapter, we know it's 1 Corinthians 13, right? Say the marriage chapter, we know Ephesians 5. They're just places in the Bible where we can know that they're topical. Do you know that the kingdom of heaven topically is spoken about in St. Matthew 13? That's the, that's the topic, right? And so Jesus teaches the topic of the kingdom of heaven in St. Matthew 13 by teaching the parable of the sower. First thing he teaches is that there's a sower that goes out into a field and he's sowing and some falls along the wayside. Some, some falls into cracks and crevices. Some falls into thorns and thistles. Some falls into good ground. And I'm not going to go through and give all the exergy to that, but I just want you to know that, that there's a sowing going on. So, so once Jesus explained that, he said, well, let me take you a little bit deeper. Uh, now, now there was a man, watch this, that sowed seed in a field. And the Bible says he sowed a good seed in that field. But while he slept, catch this, the enemy came and planted tares in the field. And when those blades started to come up, the servants of that house went back and said, Master, uh, somebody has planted weeds in your field. Do you want us to pick them up, pluck them up? I said, no. I'm afraid that while you're plucking up what you might think is a weed is actually some wheat. So I'm just going to let them grow together. Uh, and then in the end, when harvest time comes, we'll gather all the wheat into my barns and we'll take all those tares and bundle them to be burned in the fire. Do, do, do you know that God will allow tears to grow right next to you? That, that, that right next to you right now, right there, right next to you right now in your life is a tear that God has left there right there for your growth, for your ability. He lets them grow right there, right next to each other. Right there, right next to you. There's a tear. You see, it looks like you. It talks like you. It speaks like you. But it's not you. And it's not for you. Listen to what Jesus says. Many shall come in that last day saying, Lord, Lord. In thy name. Did I not prophesy in thy name? Did I not cast out devils in thy name? That in thy name didn't I do many wonderful works? And what did Jesus say? Depart from me. I never knew you. Ye that work iniquity. See, there are some people that look like you that are not like you, but God lets them grow right next to each other. And friends, I'm here to tell you relationally, you've got some people in your life that you think are for you. That you think are speaking your praise. But the enemy is working in you. He's part of me. He's working in them. And eventually you're going to see their true colors. I want you to hear that. There's some people right next to me that are the very tares in the kingdom of God. Will you say that to yourself? There are tares growing up right next to me that God has purposed for me. To teach me what it is to grow in the kingdom of God. Some people right now in your life that in three months you're going to find out. 
just how much the enemy was working in them. You're going to find out. There's some people in your life right now that you thought, well, your friends are going to show you that they weren't a friend at all. There's some things happening right now in your life that you're going to find out that the people that you thought you could trust the most were the people that are going to betray you with a kiss. Friend, I'm here to tell you there are some things happening right now in your life that if you don't put them before God and those relationships, if you don't qualify them in the name of Jesus, they're going to ruin your life. You need to know that every relationship around you is going to produce the power and purpose of the will of God. Can somebody say amen to that? That everything going on around you, God, the Bible declares it, that he knows that all things work together for the good to them. You're going to have some bad relationships. So what? Get over it. And for some of you, I'm here to tell you it's time to forgive. Hear what I'm saying? Some of you, it's time to let your parents and tell them, Mom, Dad, I forgive you. God works in that. God works in them, even though the enemy is behind it. Because how many know God uses the enemy to do his will? You say, Pastor, you tripping. Where, where you get this theology from? I got it right from Jesus. You want me to teach it to you? We know that Jesus picked his disciples. You know, we like to say, if I knew then what I know now. Anybody ever said that before in your life? If I, if I knew then what I knew now, I, I wouldn't have made friends with that person over there. I wouldn't have done this. I wouldn't have done that. If only I would have known. Listen, God knows. You see, Jesus, listen, picked his disciples. Jesus said, you did not choose me. I chose you. And I've ordained you that you should bear forth fruit, that your fruit should remain. See, Jesus picked those disciples. Do you know that every single disciple of Jesus betrayed him? You've heard it said that Jesus says, I call you not servants, but friends. For the servant know not what his master doeth. But I call you friends for everything I have known of God, I make known unto you. And those same 12 betrayed him. Every single disciple betrayed Jesus. But listen, he picked them. Are you hearing me? I mean, are you, is that not, does that not make your head explode? That Jesus wasn't always trying to form the, you know, find this one. This one likes me. That one doesn't like me. I want that one over there because I think they're going to help me do this. And I want that one over there because he's got money. I want that one over there because he's got the right connection. I want this, that, and the other. No, what is Jesus doing? All he's doing is picking betrayers. And not only are they betrayers, but they're hard-headed. Look at your neighbor and say, you're at least hard-headed. I mean, if I was going to pick people to follow, I'd pick smart people. If you were picking a team, wouldn't you want to try to pick the best? 
Well, what does your father do? He picks the worst. He picks the despising. He picks the weak thing. Jesus picked 12 betrayers. Let me show you how bad it is. Let me show you. You want to to hear how bad it is? Because sometimes we make the ministry of Jesus real flowery, right? We, we, we like, we, you know, we watch movies and Jesus walks and the disciples is coming, you know, boom, miracles, ah, you know. And we all look at Jesus, oh, wow, boy. It was, listen, those disciples were betrayers. Smiling faces. We call them backstabbers. You see, they smile in your face. We call them backstabbers. Yeah. It's not as easy as you think it is. Jesus picked 12 men that would betray him. Let me show you how bad it is. Let me show you how bad it is. The pinnacle of the finality of three years of public ministry. This is the pinnacle happens in the 11th chapter of St. John in the rising of Lazarus. This is the pinnacle of three years. Seven days from the rising of Lazarus, Jesus will be hanging on a cross. The Bible says, y'all know these stories, right? The Bible says that what Jesus was was, was in, at the River Jordan where John baptized, a messenger came to Jesus and said, Jesus, the one to whom you love is sick. Don't you love when you hear that? Oh, I love that because I could put my name right there, right? And, and, and the Bible says that when Jesus heard it, he abode there two more days. Now, nobody knew that by the time the messenger got to Jesus, Lazarus was already dead. So he abode two more days. Finally, Jesus says, come on, let's go. You see, Lazarus sleepeth, but I'm going to go wake him up. His disciples said, oh, good, good, Lord, that he sleepeth. For if he sleepeth, surely he get well. And Jesus says, he is dead. But I'm glad that he's dead. And I'm glad that I waited two more days to the intent that you might believe. Three years of public ministry, and none of the disciples are believers. I mean, man, can you imagine? They've seen some of the greatest work ever performed on planet Earth, and they do not believe in Jesus. All of the miracles. You know that John said that if we recorded all of the miracles that Jesus did, he says, I suppose that all the volumes of the book cannot contain all the miracles that Jesus did. They saw them all, and they did not believe. I mean, think about how prolific that is. Was it not Peter, James, and John who saw Jesus transfigured, where his face shone like the sun, and and his garments like white, glowed like white? So moved and impressed by that experience, they let us build three temples, one for you, one for Elias, one for Moses. And yet they were unbelievers. Think about that. How hard-headed can you be? You've seen everything, 
and you don't believe in Jesus, I'm glad for your sake that I didn't go. Because now that I'm going, I'm going to go wake him up. And you're going to see a miracle like you've never seen it. And I'm hoping, I'm believing, I'm praying that you're going to believe. And what does the Bible say? That Jesus goes to Lazarus. They're already accusing him. Well, if, if you'd have been here, my brother hadn't have died. And what did Jesus say? I am the resurrection and the life. If any man believeth on me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. Show me where you buried him. Listen, don't invite Jesus into your life unless you're willing to pull away the stone. Because it's going to get personal with Jesus. Let me say that real slow. Don't ever ask Jesus to come over if you're not willing to roll away the stone. Because that's what he's coming there to do. I don't got to tell you what happened. You're hanging on the edge of the seat like, well, what happened? You know what happened, church. Jesus goes to the stone. He says, roll away the stone. Martha says, surely he's stinking, Lord. He's been in there four days. What did Jesus say? Roll the stone back. Now, now you realize that Lazarus has already been embalmed. He's stuffed to his gills in embalming uh, uh, all the, the frankincense, the myrrh, all that. They wrapped him in, in grave clothes. He's there. He's dead. You know, the Jews believed that, that, that three days after uh, uh, somebody died, that the soul kind of lingered about, wanted to get back into the body. But after three days, it went to be with its creator. So four days meant that Jesus would have to have power over the soul itself. <sighs> Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. Out walks Lazarus. Unwrapping. The Bible says, listen, from that time, many of the unbelieving Jews believed. Touch your neighbor and say, except for the disciples. The, the, the chosen ones, the picked ones, the ones that he invested in, the ones that he gave his life, the ones that he ate over a campfire and talked about the things. I can imagine the disciples leaning back after a meal, looking up into the cosmos and saying, Jesus, what about all of that? And him explaining just how powerful the hand of God is. And they did not believe. Can you imagine the conversations they had with Jesus that's not recorded in the scriptures? And yet they're unbelievers, the 12, the ones he picked, the ones that ate with him, the ones that were close to him. He said, do you know there's going to be people in your life that won't believe in you either? You, you know there's people in your life that care less about you than they profess to love you? The Bible says that everybody was, everybody was thronging the house of Lazarus. They wanted to see him. They wanted to see Jesus. And it just so happened that, you know, when Jesus was eating, you know, uh, he, 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 he reclined at the table to eat. And, and he was eating with the people that came. You know, they didn't have big tables like us. They had the small tables, just a few inches off the ground. Jesus was eating. While he's eating, a, a woman came in. This is, this is Mary, Lazarus' sister. She has in her hand a box of spikenard, an ointment of fragrance, and 
you know, it's sealed with the sealing. They say that just that little box in the, the oil, the ointment, was, was a year's wages. Jesus is there talking and seating. And she comes in the door. She sees Jesus reclining. She breaks that box and begins to pour the ointment all over his head, down to his body, down to his very feet. The Bible says she took her hair and she wiped his feet with his very hair. And the Bible says, and the odor filled all the room. And off somewhere there to the side, everybody's moved in the moment. There's an odor, there's a fragrance, there's a costly expense. This is is God. She's preparing him for his burial. In fact, Jesus said, leave her alone. For what she did for me, as long as this gospel is preached, what she's done for me will be recounted as a memorial towards her. There's that, you know, know, one of the picked ones. He's upset. Why wasn't this ointment sold and given to, the money given to the poor? Do you know what the Bible says? Jesus said, listen. What she's done to me is preparing me for my burial, which is just a few days away. For you'll always have the poor among you, but you won't always have me with you. The Bible says that Judas, Judas, listen, the picked one, the chosen one, he went from that room. The Bible tells me, St. Matthew 26, he left that room. You know where he went? He went to the Sanhedrin. And he says, what will you give me if I'll betray him for you? And they conspired there to betray Jesus for 30 pieces of silver. Y'all don't hear what I just said, man. 30 pieces of silver wasn't even nothing. He went from that upper room where the Spirit of God was ministering before his death, and he went over to conspire to betray Jesus for 30 lousy pieces of silver. The picked one, the chosen one, is now conspiring to betray the Lord. What you tripping about? Whose feet you're holding to the fire? And what's your problem? What, what aileth you? Do you think now it's time to forgive? Isn't it time to let it go? Isn't it time to let the people off the hook who you know for yourself? had every manner of maliciousness in their heart. Well, God uses that. He purposes in that. Don't get on the keyboard yet, son. I'm not even halfway through. Because it's going to get personal, baby. I'm not even close to finish. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, nah, we're not even close here yet because I'm dealing with a personal matter. And how many of those things don't just go away just, just, just so we're not? You really got to think about what happened to Jesus. Listen, you need to know it that on the pinnacle, at the apex of the ministry of Jesus, his betrayer started showing up. You ever been riding high? And the moment you start riding high, somebody's trying to bring you down. 
right when everything seems to be going your way, somebody throws a monkey wrench right into your plans, right into your purposes. God sent me here to tell you that was him. Think about that for a minute. That God permitted that. However unpleasant it was, God allowed it to happen for your good. Now, 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 it's interesting. It's interesting that Judas left. It's funny that, that Jesus is now going into the upper room. He's going he's to take communion. I want you to hear this, church. Uh, he's going to take communion. How many know that Jesus, uh, with desire, desire to have communion with his disciples, to give them evidence of what his body and his blood meant? And the Bible says they were all around the table. Judas, too. Funny how the devil shows up when you're about to get personal. Uh, Jesus is trying to get them uh, on the same frame of mind. You know what's happening? They're there and they're having an argument. You want to hear the argument that they're having? The disciples, the chosen ones, the picked ones. You want to know what they're arguing about? This is what they're saying. Who is going to be the greatest in the kingdom of God? They're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. Uh, you, you, you may not know this story, but how, how many remember the story where, where Peter is walking just, just along the, the, the streets there in Jerusalem, and, and one of the people that take the temple tax says, does your master pay the temple tax? Y'all know the story? And Jesus says, yes, my master pays the temple tax. So he went back, and when he came in the room, he said, hey, Peter, I need to talk to you. What's up, Jesus? Well, I've got a question for you. Of whom do kings cause tribute or custom? Who do they take it from? From their children or from strangers? He says, my Lord, from, from strangers. Well, then are the children of the kingdom free? But so that we won't offend them. Get yourself a fishing pole and get a hook. And I want you to go to the sea, and the first time you throw out your hook, the first fish you catch, I want you to reel him in, and I want you to open his mouth, and you're going to find a gold coin in there. Then I want you to take that gold coin out. Go pay the temple tax for me and for you. It's the only recorded instance in the Bible where Peter caught a fish. Let me say that one more time. It's the only time Peter caught a fish, and he caught it under supernatural inspiration. So listen to the gall of it. I want you to see how rotten they are. It's a little bit of us, right? Check it out. The Bible says, St. Matthew 18. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus, all 12 of them. You can imagine Peter has his arms out. He's looking around, Jesus, who of us is the greatest in the kingdom? 
Here's a guy that just got a gold coin out of a fish's mouth, who never caught a fish before in his life, ever recording the scriptures, is now trying to ask Jesus, who's the greatest? You know what Jesus said? The Bible says that Jesus called a child unto him, set him in the midst of them. And he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, listen to this. Watch. Except ye be converted and become as that little child, you shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever humbling himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. So here we are at the Last Supper where Jesus is trying to administer the sacrament and what are they arguing about? Who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom? I don't know what you're here for. Are you here for yourself or are you here for God? Oh, man, that's a whole other message. I'll put that to the side. I'll preach that another day. Boom. Because not everybody here is here for God. This is what we used to call a worship service. We come here to worship God. This isn't about you. This is about worship. Ah, we'll put that away. Let me put that away. You know, I, yeah, I can see why Daniel came up. It's 1215. Cowboys ain't playing. We got time. I'll cut to the quick. So they're arguing about who's going to be the greatest. You know this story. Jesus disrobes himself, puts on a loincloth. He washes their feet. Yeah, Judas got his feet washed too. <laughs> they're all around the Lord. And Jesus says, all of you are clean, but not all. The Bible says that when the supper started, listen, Satan entered into Judas. And Jesus says, the one to whom I give this sop is my betrayer. And, and, and I guess in the midst of all the, the, the conversation, they didn't observe that Jesus sopped that bread and gave it to Judas. Judas left the room quickly. For Jesus, said, for, Jesus told Judas, for what thou doest, do it quickly. Everybody just thought Judas went to go run an errand, pick up some food, get some more wine, get some more bread. They didn't know that he's the betrayer. So Jesus now goes to the Garden of Gethsemane. Here we are, Luke 22. He's dripping drops of blood in the garden. So weak and so in agony that a very angel of God had to come and, and, and minister to him to strengthen him. And he's there asking God, God, is there any way I can die but not drink the cup? Listen, Jesus is not afraid of dying. He's afraid of that cup. It's the cup of the wrath of God. This is when all the sins of the world will be passed over unto man who knew no sin was being made sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God through him. Listen, he was about to drink the cup of the wrath of God. And he's praying, Lord, is there any way? Is there any way? Bible says he went a few feet and fell on his face and was weeping and crying, God, is there any way? And while he's praying, he hears the noise of men coming. God's answered his prayer and says, no, there's no way you can do it without drinking the cup. And Jesus, I could see him. 
Get something. Toss him some. Gets to his feet. Judas comes. Jesus drank dripping drops of blood down his face. You could see his seamless robes got a tinge of pink on it. Probably just kind of barely standing. Judas comes. Comes and he kisses his cheek. Jesus is Judas. Betray me with with the, the kiss. Everything got wild. You know, you know, you remember Peter? Uh, Jesus told Peter, Peter, the enemy has desired to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you that your faith fail not. You remember Peter? No, Lord. For I am ready to die with you and to go into prison. That one. (laughs) That one. Pulls out his sword. And chops off the ear of Malchus' servant. I mean, things got crazy. Why? Because they don't understand relationship. I'm going to say something to you. You know, a few years ago, I was at Mardell's. And, and oddly, I was standing there looking at the Last Supper. You know, there's a picture of it. I was, you know, we ha- how many got a picture of the Last Supper at your house? I got one. You know, I, I love the picture of Jesus at the Last Supper. And I was looking, I was just kind of looking at everybody and then. A little girl came up right next to me, a little girl, maybe like four or five years old. And she came up, she was with her mom, and she says, Mom, look, there's Judas. <laughs> and I'm thinking, all the years I've been studying my Bible, I've been, and I'm thinking, which Judas, how does she, how does she know? Her mom thinking the same thing. She said, baby, well, which one is Judas? You see that one with that crooked nose? I said, oh, man, it's time for me to leave on that one. It's crooked nose. <laughs> Look at you and say, Jesus didn't have no crooked nose. He might have been the finest of the disciples. But he betrayed the master with a kiss. Did y'all catch that? Things got crazy at the... At the the Garden of Gethsemane, there was blood flowing, and and Jesus quails at it, and and, and he puts out his hands to be shackled. Could I suggest to you that there's no crucifixion without Judas? Let me, let, me, let me say that again to you. There's no crucifixion. There's no death until Judas shows up. And it's not just any time he showed up. He showed up right on time. When Jesus was at his weakest. Judas shows up to kiss his cheek. That problem you had, it was right on time. The thing that troubled you, it came right on time. 
You know, we like to say, this is the worst time this thing could happen. And you know why it happens at the worst time? Because at the worst time, God wants you to look up and say that when I'm weak, then are you strong? You see, brothers and sisters, we miss that. And it happens in relationships, not just trouble, not just your car broke down or you lost your job or you had to file a claim. This happens with people right around you. God works in that. And if you'll grow up and understand, if Jesus picks betrayers, he's picked some for you too. Let me say that one more time. If Jesus picked 12, 12 betrayers, he's picked a few in your life too. And thank God that they kissed your face right on time. Because you need a crucifixion. You need a death. That's a good time to start. I guess I'll, that's a cue. I got to stop. Okay. All right, John. I'll go ahead and stop now, John, since you started playing. Okay. That's that sweet little melody saying, we're we getting out. Okay. So, so Jesus didn't fight. He knew God answered the prayer through Judas. Let me, let me say it one more time. Jesus didn't fight, didn't get all worked up, didn't get, didn't get mad. He knew that God was answering his prayer through Judas. Let me say it one more time. God didn't get upset, didn't get mad, didn't, didn't, didn't start calling people names. There wasn't no God found his mouth. He got up and surrendered himself because he knew God answered his prayer. Listen, through Judas. Somebody say through Judas. He answered prayer through Judas. So he goes away. Y'all, y'all, y'all know the story when Jesus said when the shepherd is smited, all the sheep will be scattered. Nobody there, nobody's around her, nobody's there. Jesus is completely all by himself. Uh, you read the story. There's Peter. Some translations say that on the third accusation, Peter cursed and said he didn't know the Lord. That's even worse. The difference between Peter and Judas is Peter went out and wept. In other words, it was personal. Let me say it one more time for somebody in here. See, P- P- Peter went out and he wept over his betrayal. Except he wasn't betrayed, he was a betrayer. You know, there's a lot of people here, the Spirit told me there's people here that, that, that your issues with God, not people, but with Him. Some, some of you think, well, you know, all the things I've been through, all the bad things I've done, I mean, God would never want me. You know that after Jesus rose, he reinstated Peter by asking him a simple question. Peter, do you love me? How long are you going to keep holding over God's, your head, the thing that you went through? When when will you become the new man that God has created? You are no longer old you, you are new you. And all that past stuff is absolved in the very sight of God. He said, just come, I'm going to love you and I want you to love me. And and there's no beef between us. There's no problem. There's no issue. He's just simply looking for somebody to come and say, Jesus, I love you. Yeah. The same forgiveness that meant Peter was the same forgiveness that would have meant Judas, except Judas went and hung himself. And I think there's a lot of people in here, you're hanging yourself. 
Okay, so look, check it out. So they, okay, guys, I'm just going to leave off like another third of the message. Check it out. Today, if you've got a betrayer in your life, forgive him. Jesus said, you've heard that it had been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Brother and sister, listen, you're not going to escape it. You're not going to get out of here without hearing the truth. It's time to forgive the people who hurt you. It's time to say all that dysfunction, God uses it for his purpose in my life. You don't know that that dysfunction might have been the very reason why you're whole and sitting in that chair today with some cognizance in your mind towards God. Some of the things you went through, God uses to shape your life, to prepare you to serve him better, to do his will. Friend, you got to get over that and say, God, listen, I forgive my betrayer. And I know it's personal because some of the things they did, they kissed you right on your very cheek. But Jesus is saying it's time to forgive. It's time to forgive. Okay, check it out. Go ahead and stand. Go ahead and stand to your feet. We're going to do some stuff. I told you it's going to get personal. 